Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. Welcome back, everybody. This is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our YouTube handle is at L.A. Rams Up. Hey, we're not insiders here. We're just Rams fans that love talking about our L.A. Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Hey everybody, Mark from Rams up here. I have Paul Walia on again. How you doing, Paul? Everything's fantastic. Weather's looking great out here on the East Coast. Uh, barbecues are frequent and the beach is perfect. Did you dodge some of those big time storms you had? I know my uh, my brother in Vermont, man, it was it was pretty crazy for a couple of days. Oh yeah. It, it was it was it got a little hairy out here, but uh things are clearing up, things look great. And I'm uh, keeping tabs as well as uh, for the Rams. We're also keeping tabs as we got the Dodgers uh, MLB trade deadline coming up August 1st. That's right. So the reason I had Paul back on is I'm, we're going to do something I've been hoping to do for a long time. And this is a great time of year to do it. The doldrums of the NFL season, not a whole lot going on. And I feel like I need to get smarter on a lot of aspects of the NFL, basically. So I'm thinking of this as... Football 101, and the topic of today is 
defensive line techniques, gap control, and all that stuff. And I know a lot of listeners, it's probably pretty basic stuff. You know it already. But I think there's a lot of us that don't really know the terminology as well as we think. And I think we can still all learn a little bit. And that's why I have Professor Paul on with us today. Uh, We're going to treat this like the first day of class. You're the professor and I'm the freshman that knows nothing. uh, and, And that's how we'll approach this. It should be fun. You ready to go? I'm ready to go, Mark, but you're probably a much more uh, up to speed than you think. And uh, so I'll, I just want to chip in my two cents. That's all. Well, you know, when it, when I was taking college classes, one of the things I learned was read the chapter preview before you go to class. And, and I did do some pre-gaming here. So I know a little <laughs> bit more than I did a week ago just prepping for this, uh, but it, it should be fun. So let's get this rolling. The first thing we'll talk about is the the gaps, uh, the A, B, C, and D gaps. Pretty basic stuff. I'll I'll turn it over to you real quickly. uh, Explain to the audience what these gaps are. Yeah, so first off, you know, one of the exciting things about watching professional sports, particularly football, is the chess game that you see as it plays out, you know, as you see the announcers talk about it uh, between the offense and the defense. So that's, you know, that's really what we're trying to do today. So just so that everyone can really appreciate the awesome, the innovation, the creativity, um, I personally have seen, you know, like years where, like, for example, in 85 Bears, the 46 defense took over the NFL by storm. And now we're seeing all these variations with the 3-4. So one of the things is basically in terms of a defensive football is something we call gap control. And if you really want to understand it visually, just think of your basic uh, O-line. So let's, you know, let's take a look at it working from the center out. So let's say from our perspective, the defensive perspective, we're looking at the right side of the offensive line, right? So that would be center, guard, tackle, etc. So the space between the center and the right guard would be considered the A-gap. The space between the guard and the tackle would be considered the B-gap. Pretty simple stuff, pretty straightforward. And the space between the tackle and tight end is your C-gap. And anything outside of the tight end, we consider the D-gap. So you're going to almost always have, you always have an A, B, and C-gap on both sides and potentially one one D-gap. And And if you go to two tight ends, there's a D-gap. Yeah. And for those listening on the podcast, the YouTube version of this will have some graphics that will help you along a little bit. What's great about that, if you think about it, is that interplay between the offense and the defense. The defense wants to line up so that every one of these gaps is accounted for. So that's really what you're theoretically what you're trying to do on defense. Before you talk about coverages or anything else, everything starts at the line of scrimmage. The defense wants to account for all these gaps because the rationale is if the, if the gaps are covered, right, Mark? Mark's the offensive coordinator. He's not going to be able to run the ball, right? Because when he runs the ball, this is where he's going. He's going – running plays are designed to go into one of these gaps. Now, on, on passing plays, they may abandon some gap control, though. I think we'll see right. that on one of these plays we talk about. Right. So okay. when you rush the passer, it's a little bit different, right? right? Unless you're – like in some cases, you might say 
uh, to a player, they'll def- they you know they always have to account for the check the draw first, right? A, a, like a draw play or something like that. But yeah, usually on the rushing plays, you can be much more aggressive, especially when you play that wide nine technique, which everybody loves. But when we start talking about D line techniques, that does also not just talk about how it impacts the run game, but you'll see how the alignment impacts pass rushing. That technique, that those leverages, how they impact the pass rush. Yes, great point. Okay, so um, next subject, I think everyone probably figures out what understands what gaps are. It's pretty simple. And then you have the even numbered techniques. And so, talk to us about that real quick. So, um, you had sent me something that you had uh, used as your reference for the uh, line techniques. So there's a little bit of variation when it comes to uh, line techniques, and that has to do with uh, because uh, four three and three four defenses. There are some techniques that are generally not found in, in you know in some variations of the four three and the three four. So ge- so we're just going to speak in generalities, right? We had you and I had spoken about that just to make it easier to understand. So when some when uh, you're watching football on the uh, on, let's say on average Sunday, you may see some variations to what we see here. So uh, even number techniques when we talk about it, I'm going to talk largely about the three four because that's my favorite defense. All right, so we'll talk about the three four. The three four, the even number techniques, um, is because the three four the D lineman play can play in a very unique way, and that's something called head up because of the concept of what was called two-gapping, where you can control uh, more than one gap with one player. And what that does is you have a player line up, head up against another player. So the 0, 2, 4, and 6 means that when you look at an alignment of D linemen for the 3, 4, the 0 would be that the D, uh, in this case a nose tackle, right? The nose tackle would play directly in front of the center. That would be what's called a zero technique. The two technique is when you take a player and you put them head up on the guard. A four technique would be when you take a player and you put them head up on a tackle. The six technique is when you take a player and you put them head up on a tight end. Now, a great example of this six technique would be someone like Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd, when we talk about these techniques, he's a linebacker, right? So would we say six technique? Well, if he's on the line of scrimmage, you can. But usually when we talk about linebackers and they te- and techniques, we simply add a zero. So if you heard something like a 60 technique, that means a linebacker is playing head up on a tight end, six technique, and that zero lets you know that they're a linebacker. So when we talk about these techniques – these odd number techniques and these even um, and these even number techniques, they're letting you know where the defensive player is lining up in relation to the offensive player that is directly in front of them. So to, to backtrack a little bit on something you said, then a zero technique would typically, but not always, but typically would be trying to control both A gaps. Right. So usually when you have a player head up, uh, when the three, four, uh, I guess was uh, originally designed. It was this great concept, and now it makes sense since we we talked about gap control. If I have three defensive linemen, each playing head up, let's say a zero, four, and a four, right? My nose tackle, 
and two traditional defensive tackles in a 3-4. The idea is if they can two-gap, which is by no way, shape, or form easy to do, that means a player can play both sides of the equation, meaning can control both A-gaps. Think of the math for a second. Three players controlling two gaps each, three players controlling six but gaps. Is, is this gap control based on their ability to read the play real quickly? It's it's really based on, so for example, let's use an example of a zero technique, which is not easy, right? The famous nose tackles that we are familiar with, people like Vince Wilfork, right? Guys like that. They, they're very, Casey Hampton, very hard to find. They're able to think about this for a second. They can take on that center, create a stalemate, lock out, right? Read the play and make a play on either side the play goes if the play goes to either left or right, and and yeah. either a either a gap they're going to be on top of it. So yeah, so they're able to control both gaps. Uh, you know, a defense is able to control both gaps with a single player, and what that does, it allows you. And in case in our case, when we talk about the Rams, and you know, for example, uh, Staley, Staley was able to with a certain number of players control all those gaps and devote. And have a box where he has uh, four players and devote seven in the pass rush, right? Or devote X number of players and control all the gaps uh, on the line of scrimmage. So that's what we're trying to do. If we can have even one player two gap, that's one less player we have to devote to the box. So think about that for a second. A great example would be Sean Robinson. So even if all our other players can't two-gap, but if we have one player that can two-gap, look at that advantage that it provides a defense. Especially when one of the, one of your other defensive linemen is Aaron Donald. And these even-number techniques are probably the hardest because think about what you have to do physically. you got to take on double teams, whatever it may be. It's, it's something that's a real plus. So that the 0-2-4-6 is very unique to the 3-4. Right when people talk about the Oki alignment, meaning Oklahoma alignment, right? The Oki alignment, which is that old school three-four. These uh, up front three D linemen were asked to two gap. Okay, that's good. I, I learned a couple of things there. Uh, hopefully, our listeners did as well. Let's move on to the odd number techniques uh, one three five seven nine, and uh, take it away. I'll, I'll let you get started on this. Right. So now when we start talking about the one, three, five, seven, nine techniques, and this is where you'll see a little bit of variation. Um, so depending on the coach, depending on the system where they find. So I'm going to use the one that's probably the most common and the one that's probably easiest to understand. And so the easiest way to do this is to tell everybody at home, forget about the number eight. Just forget about the number of eight for a second, because that's where a lot of the confusion comes from. So starting from the center and working your way out. Once again, we're looking at the uh, right uh, the right side of the offensive line, right? We'll take a look at it from that way, center out, okay? So we said that even numbers, pretty simple, right? Just head up on our offensive lineman. This comes into the concept of like shading. When we start talking about shading or playing a shoulder. So instead of playing the head of the player, you're playing a shoulder. Now, where does that come from? Well, the concept of single gap control. When players can control a single gap by basically lining on a shoulder and being able to slant into the gap, right? That's a very common concept. 
slant the player into the gap, and you control the gap. So if you take a look at it, we'll keep that zero. We'll only talk about the center. The zero was head up. But what's very, very common and what is awesome is when you watch like a nose tackle shade a center. So either side is considered a one technique. The zero is head up and either side of the center is called a one, a one and a one. Either side, left or right, that would be considered a one technique. And this is where you're going to see a little bit of the variation, right? On some defensive schemes, you won't even see a one. A one would be on the guard. but Commonly, when we talk about a shade type of defense, you will have the center can shade either to the left or to the right. That is called a one technique. They're still playing the center, um, which is a really cool concept. When you take a look at the Rams, sometimes you will see the center tilt, right, and play the center on the snap hand side. Why is that? Because the center is at a disadvantage. They play one handed until they snap the ball. If you have a quick nose tackle and you tilt them they can play boom on that center's either side and they have a sort of a if you want to say a little bit of a head start make it harder for the center to pick them up why is that great you can force the o-line to double team your scent your nose tackle and if they double team your nose tackle what happens down the line domino effect you've tied up two offensive linemen with one defensive player that opens up one-on-ones for guys like Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, Leonard Floyd. So that's a really important concept. So when you talk about a technique, like a one technique, that means playing a shade on the center, right? Either left shoulder, right shoulder. Working our way down the line, head up on the guard, we said, was a two technique. Well, the shade to the outside of that guard, meaning – the guard is facing us, so that right shoulder would be a three technique. The left shoulder is something that they call, it's called the two eye. Eye meaning inside. Easy way to remember it now. So when you hear that, a two eye means that you're going to line up on the inside shoulder of that guard, a two eye. So we have two eye, two is head up, and then you have your three. Why is that so important? Right, Mark? You said about that, the three technique. Why do people talk about the three technique all the time? Think about it. The three technique player, how awesome is a three technique player, right? A three technique player, particularly in like sort of like a 4-3 style defense, right? They would be lined up on the, usually like on the right-hand side of the defense, right? They are a quick, great pass rusher. And what do they do? Instead of putting them up against a tackle, an NFL tackle with all those, you know, pass protection skills, what am I going to do, Mark? I'm going to put them up against a guard, and they are going to whip that guard right off the snap of the ball. Once again, now if I have a nose tackle tying up two linemen, Mark, my three technique is going to eat these guys up, right? So the three technique is something that people have probably heard of a lot. The three technique is a very important defensive tackle, whether it's a 4-3 or a 3-4. It's probably the premier pass rush spot on the inside. Yeah, we hear a lot about the three technique at draft time as well. Uh, Players, uh, prospects identified as three techniques. All right, so that's your guard scenario. Let's take a look at the tackle. Head up was a four. So we would say inside of of the tackle would be four I, 
inside the four, very easy to remember. And then the outside would be the five. That's the five technique. So whenever you hear a five technique, which is very common, that just basically means they're lining up outside the tackles. So when you're watching like an NFL game now, now you'll see like when these players are moving around, where are they trying to go? What the defense is trying to do is using these techniques to line up so they can control what? The gaps. That's what they're trying to do. They want to put themselves in the best position so that they can execute their defense. What is the offense trying to do? The offense will move players around. So at one spot, right, Mark sees I walk up with the defense, line up my guys, and he says, all right, I'll motion my tight end to the other side of the formation. What has he just done? He's changed the gap alignment. So the defense has to react accordingly. And what they and we have a play like that we're going to talk about here in a minute. The San Francisco game, right. And so what the defense has to do is that they have to react accordingly because we don't want two things to happen. We don't want the defense to outflank us. And number two, we don't want to leave a gap uncovered because if we leave a gap uncovered, guess what happens? Mark's going to gash us for big yards, right? The famous technique that everybody talks about is that nine technique. That nine technique is sometimes called, right, for you Philadelphia Eagle fans, right, that wide nine, which is all the way on the outside. If you have a tight end there, that would be the wide side of the tight end, outside of that shoulder of the tight end. And if you see the wide nine, you have a lot of leeway. You have players that line up pretty far out. And what that does is it gives that pass rusher a great angle to the backfield. As opposed to having to go up and go 90 degrees, which, you know, that's a lot of wear and tear on your knees and sometimes not physically possible. It gives you a better angle to get into the backfield, but also to see the play in the backfield. So that's the purpose of the wide nine. Head up on the tight end is a six, and here's where you'll see a little bit of variation. Um, Some defenses will say six I, but for some reason, the commonality is right now that people use the seven technique as the inside shoulder of the tight end. That is the inside shoulder of the tight end. So what does it look like? The five and seven can be easy to confuse with each other. Yeah, they can. Sure, they can. Yeah, one of the problems I have is when you're watching uh, tape, uh, when you're watching games, the angle, it's really difficult to tell sometimes. Are they playing a two or one or three? And I think same with the uh, the five and the seven. You get that view from the back, it's a lot easier to tell. Right, and that's a great point. Aaron Donald is the one who will do that. He will, line, he will line up so wide, even though he's playing a three, it looks like he's playing head up on the tackle. But he's given himself a better angle, and sometimes they say they want to shoot the hip. Their target is the hip of that uh, offensive lineman that they're attacking. They want to get to the hip because if they get to that hip, the play's done. That means they beat their lineman. There's no way at that point – for that old lineman to recover, right? That's all they can do is hope and pray that they can sort of deflect that player. So that gives them what you're looking at is really uh, angles of attack. That's really when you see those alignment that you're talking about, you're talking about how the NFL has really progressed. You have players that are so fast, so quick off the ball that they can take these ridiculous angles and make it really difficult for the old lineman to sort of react at the snap of the ball, that they're beating players clean off the snap. 
So it puts a lot of pressure on the O-line. And so, that, you know, and that's a great observation. Sometimes when you're seeing how these players line up, you have to remind yourself also down in distance. A player is going to have a lot more leeway to do that on third down than they will on first down. Yeah. Right. On first down, you might be become more susceptible to somebody uh, pulling a, a run play that's going to take advantage of that. And they'll run inside of that. You talk about the the talent that some of these teams have across the defensive line. One of these plays we're going to talk about. It just hit me when we were when I was watching it. You know, they have basically a six man front on this one play: Leonard Floyd, Marquise Copeland, uh, Aaron Donald, Greg Gaines, Ashawn Robinson, and Von Miller. Uh, <laughs> that that's a pretty formidable front. And, and a reminder to you listeners on the podcast: I am going to be plugging in. There will be some graphics plugged in on the YouTube channel. So I encourage you to check that out and subscribe while you're there, please. Uh, we're going to talk about some variations. It's it's a little bit more complex. You talked you touched on a little bit. Uh, I I should say we don't want to oversimplify this. There are many variations, three four four three variations as well. Uh, you wanted to talk. I, I know you're a big fan of Brandon Staley and some of the things he's introduced. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Sure. So there are a couple of things that will really excite people when you talk about defensive schemes, right? And, and you know, everybody, I think everybody's had a chance to learn about the uh, 46 defense and the bear defense, which is really, really exciting, right? Um, and so let's talk a little bit about some of these variations. First off is the gap control concept. So you have what is called single gap control, one gap control, where one player is really focused on getting into the gap, controlling that single gap. We talked about the two-gap concept, right, where a player is asked to defend two gaps. And probably that's probably the hardest assignment, right, to control two gaps with a single player. But there's something called a gap and a half. Brandon Staley and Vic Fangio were fans and proponents of the gap and a half concept. So the gap and a half concept is, and uh, we'll talk about one of the examples that the Rams use, is that the player controls the gap and then squeezes the gap next to them, right? So Mark is assigned the B gap. He's going to control that B gap. So he goes into the B gap. He doesn't just run aimlessly into the backfield, right? He beats his player. He gets good control of that player. He's got his free arm, right, so that he can make a play. And what he's going to do is he's going to squeeze down on the gap next to it. So his responsibility is the B gap, but he's also going to do what? Squeeze that A gap, make it tighter, that's literally what he's trying to do by being able to make plays also into the A-gap. That's called the gap and a half technique. Why is that great? Well, th- let's do the math. If you have four down, four players on the LOS, the line of scrimmage, they play a gap and a half, Mark, we can control six gaps with four players. If I can do that, I have seven players devoted to what? Pass coverage. I also now have other players like my linebackers running free, right? What they call the hitman concept, right? Now these guys are not being attacked by pulling guards. They're not, we're not letting those D line, I'm sorry, those O linemen get past the D linemen and get to what we call the second level. They're not able to get to that second level. And that's what's really what defense is really about. This is called being able to have a light box where have that one fewer player in the box that allows us to devote that player to sort of pass coverage or other duties, that whatever that may be, okay? That might be also blitzing, 
So that's a fantastic concept. So that's called gap and a half. And one variation of the Rams, something that they do very frequently in their defense, is actually called something called a tight front. Now that we've talked about techniques, something simple next time you watch a Ram game or you can look up uh, on YouTube is you could take a look at the Rams front. And when they do, uh, when in their heyday, when their defense was lights out, is they played obviously a 3-4, but they would use a very simple alignment. And what they would do is put the center on a zero technique. They would put their nose tackle on a zero technique on the center. And listen to this, Mark. They would have, uh, and I'll go back to the days of Michael Brockers, since I was a Michael Brockers fan. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald. They would put them at the four eye. So what is the four eye? That's the inside shoulder of what player? Well, for those of you at home, easy. Let's start at the center. If we ever forget. Zero, two, four. Four is our tackle. We say four eye. Inside shoulder of the tackle. Boom. Easy to remember. It's that simple. They would use a zero technique on the center. They would use a four eye technique with Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers. And what they would do is ask these players to play a gap and a half. And what were they able to do with that? Think about that for a second, Mark. I'm able to control B-gap to B-gap. And that's the name of the game in defense. In defense, you want to be able to control B-gap to B-gap. If you can do that, you're going to do very well, not only against the run, but you're going to free up a lot of your players in terms of doing great things like blitzing and uh, making lots of tackles. Now, remember our outside linebackers, right? Let's say players like Leonard Floyd, players like Vaughn Miller. Traditionally speaking, in a uh, concept like the Rams, when they were in this alignment, they would have their outside backers pretty far out, almost like, you know, you know, sort of like a sort of a, a, a nine technique, sitting in a nine technique. And the whole idea was that they were going to funnel everything back into the middle of this defense. Now, if you do the math, right, sometimes there would be a gap uncovered. And we're only talking about the three down linemen and the two outside linebackers. And people used to ask, how the heck is Taylor Rapp in the game so frequently? Well, what they would do is they would give a cover to a sort of a high two safety look. And what they would do is they would have one of their safeties, typically Taylor Rapp, they would have Taylor, Taylor Rapp walk down, and he would be responsible for filling in whatever was that open gap. He was like sort of that run-fit safety. And he would fill up, if there was any one open gap that was not accounted for by this alignment, he would fill that in. Okay, in addition, obviously, to the linebackers. So this front alignment, right, which is called a tight front or the 3-4 eagle alignment, this 3-4 eagle alignment is one of my favorites, and that's why I love to watch Staley when he was there with the Rams. This alignment was absolutely awesome because what they were able to do was control B-gap to B-gap without having to devote you know, extra linemen, extra linebackers, extra safeties. They were able to do it out of their base defense, and they were able to do it well. And the idea was if they can control first or second down, get themselves into a third and manageable situation, then 
they can do some really neat things with their scheme and get after the passer. And that was a pretty simple defensive philosophy that worked really well. But the most important thing, and that's the real purpose of the segment, is that we can understand now why a zero, a four I on both sides works really well in terms of what we want to do, which is minimize the damage that the run game can do to us. Because we're going to be able to control A gap, B gap, because I have someone like our nose tackle. Let's say at that time, whether it was uh, Gaines or whether it was Sebastian Joseph Day, or if I had somebody like Ashawn Robinson, I might ask him to two gap, correct? And then he can control both A gaps. Then I got Aaron Donald. Then I got Brockers. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to shade inside, and they're going to control that B gap. And there you go. I got my A gaps covered. I got my B gaps covered. And I got my super reliable Leonard Floyd. And that's why Leonard Floyd was so important to the Rams, of the way he could handle that tight end and squeeze that inside gap. So that gap, that C gap between the tackle and the tight end, he was able to not only control the tight end and squeeze that C gap, but he could keep free on the outside and also do what? Play strong on the D gap. That's how valuable Leonard Floyd was to the Rams because of his ability to do that and the way he could handle the tight end. And another thing that the Rams were able to do because of players like Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, et cetera, was that when your tight end is that, uh, what's the word, that functionally dominant, you can give a 4-3 look out of your 3-4 because you can play that outside linebacker at the line of scrimmage, and then you have a sort of a 4-3 look out of your 3-4. And that was something that the Rams did very frequently because of players like Leonard Floyd. Uh, yeah, that might, be the, that might be the case in one of these plays we're going to look at here. Um, but I'll let you be the judge, though. Yeah, and if nothing else, I mean, you know, when I watch football, I get caught, especially Ram games, I get caught up in, you know, uh, down and distance and results and what happened. And, and I don't take the time to really analyze and, and take a look at what specifically they are doing, what they're trying to get done. Uh, but this type of information will hopefully help me and maybe some listeners do that. Maybe we can spend the preseason getting smarter on, on watching some of these alignments and how the Rams play their defense. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah. I know there's a lot of defensive coaches, hopefully, out there. They're getting excited. They're like, oh, yeah, control that A-gap and B-gap. B to B, you want to control that. Tackle to tackle, control that run game, right? And that's exactly what they uh, want to do. That would be the 3-4 eagle alignment. So 0-4-I, 4-I. Since we're focusing more on D-line today, and our outside linebackers taking a, a nine alignment, that would be uh, that would be an eagle alignment. And that's something we saw a lot with the Rams. The Oki alignment is something we said where all three of our alignment, we have a zero, a four, a four, right? They take a zero, four, four, they're head up. They're going to two gap, two gap, two gap, two gap across. And what does that do? Well, that leaves our linebackers free to control the edges and to run free and make tackles. So Mark is this, you know, wonderful nose tackle who's going to give up his body. He's going to two gap, right? He's going to occupy that center, get in the way of that running back, 
And I, as the linebacker, come, come in and just smash and fill that, fill that gap with force and just smash that a running back. I, I've, now, always, I've always seen myself as more of a nine technique, but we can roll with that. You're the nine wide guy. All right. You want to attack the back. <laughs> I, I'm the guy that gets pushed up field and never touches the quarterback. That's me. So one thing I, I do want to share is that when you think about running backs and offensive systems, there's generally, and particularly now when you have the zone blocking scheme, zone blocking schemes, right, are very different than the, our old school days of power blocking schemes, right, where we used to have our uh, running back and, and linebacker drills, right, in practice where we used to run into the gap and see who could hit, right, and who could make the tackle, those type of things that everybody's used to seeing. But nowadays, right, the linemen are very mobile, right, and they want to go where? They want to go left and right, right to left. They want to get across the face of these players. They want to get to the outside of these players, right? Because where are we going to do the damage? Why do you think it's called the D-gap? You know why it's called the D-cap? It's called D-gap because that means disaster for the defense. We don't want offensive players getting outside of our what? Of our edge, of our contain. If they get outside of the contain, they're going to do a lot of damage. And so that's a, and the Rams use those little screen plays to do just that, right? Exactly right. And running backs too. We don't want running backs running the ball outside. So usually in these, and people like um, who love the 49ers and a lot of other players, uh, a, a lot of other teams and offensive systems where they use that power zone running scheme, right? It's interesting because the running backs usually have three reads. What are the three reads? It's bounce, which is bounce it to the outside, blast, which is go into one of the design gaps. And then the other one is called bend, bend it back, look for the cutback. And what's interesting when we, since we're talking about gaps and you have players that are covering up these gaps, what the zone system does really, really well is by getting everybody moving horizontally, what'll happen is another gap's going to open up. Because as these players are moving this way, right? Mark's running with the football. He's going to keep his eyes open right? He's going to take a look. There's going to be an opening, a crease. And that's called what we used to call the cutback crease. A lot of these zone systems, that's what they're looking for. They want you moving left and right. And what's going to happen, a gap's going to open up that wasn't there before. So no one's designed to what? Fill it. And that's what the running back wants to hit. And that's where a player like a Taylor Rapp who's walking down uh, as a safety, that's what he's looking for. And that's where he's trying to fill. So what a play, what we usually say is we don't want the player bouncing outside, right? We don't want the player bending it back. We don't mind a player blasting because they're probably going to run into a body. If we're disciplined in our gaps, they're going to run into a body or two. But what's unique about the zone blocking scheme is that they're looking for the cutback. They want to cut it back, which is very, very unique. Right. And that's where some where they stress the defenses and that's where gap discipline becomes very important. And another trend for for people to keep in mind is a big trend that's very, very different in the past. Of course, we talk about attacking the edges. I'll give you a great example. The 46 defense. And it doesn't matter who you talk to about the 46 defense, Buddy Ryan, whoever. 
What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plastic-free 305. They used to put their best uh, pass rusher where? On the center. On the center. It doesn't matter who your best pass rusher is. They would align the best pass rusher on the center. Why is that? Because just of what we talked about, the center alignment, because he's snapping the ball, right? If we can get that player at a disadvantage, it gives, it just throws off the entire offensive line because the center can't help. The center also is going to give up a lot of space because after he snaps the ball, the player has shot the gap or has struck him with such force, right, to establish position that center is always playing catch-up. So in a pass-rushing scenario, and even in a run-defensive uh, scenario, the center is always susceptible. And what we're seeing as a trend now is that in a lot of these pass-rush schemes, they're going after the center. So go back to that same RAM alignment we talked about, 4-I, 4-I, and a 0. Well, you know what we do in a pass-rush situation? We tell, And that's why you see Sean on the sideline on third down and long usually. He's not a great pass-rusher. And what they will do is they will throw in another linebacker. And now we have three linebackers on the field. I got two defensive linemen. I'm only rushing four, Mark. I'm only going to rush four. But of those three linebackers, which two are coming? The idea is if I can delay that center even for a half a second, right, because he's got to check to make sure Mark is not coming, and I put that linebacker right over that center, right, boom. This is something that's become really, really common in the NFL, and it's awesome because you watch the offensive linemen have to check to make sure that person is not coming. And the and you know who used to do a great job with that was uh, three the three four that Mike Tomlin and the Steelers used to run. Three four that they used to run. Their linebackers were a little bit smaller than traditional linebackers, right in the three four setup because they wanted that quickness. And they what they would basically do is put their four linebackers within visual sight of, of the LOS. And they say, now you pick in, you got to make sure you pick up who's coming because you never knew who was coming. And that was like a really interesting concept. So you can create pass rush, not by having these dominant giant figures, right? That can just, that are 6'6", 280, and that can rush the passer, but you can have these very quick, uh, linebackers that can get great pass rush because using this alignment that we're talking about, where they lined up in which holes and right, and working in, in conjunction with the D lineman where they're lined up. So things like stunts and twists, these alignments become very, very important in the pass rush. So that's something to keep in mind now. When you get into like these pass rush situations, look how they use spacing and alignment because in the NFL, it's just like basketball. It's all about spacing, like you were talking about. Why is that person lined up all the way outside, all so far off the ball? Because it gives them a better angle. Yeah, that spacing. one, that that third and seven play we have coming up here, I think, is a really good example of that. Uh, where they're, they, yeah. L- let's talk about um, some defensive linemen that the, the Rams are still learning a little bit about. Um, Bobby Brown, Kobe Turner, Deshaun Johnson. The last two guys here are rookies. We lost Greg Gaines and Ashawn Robinson. Yeah. So we have some figuring out to do. Now I'm going to 
I'm going to guess or hope anyways that Bobby Brown is our new zero or perhaps one technique kind of play, take that role that Greg Gaines had. Is that what, what you would hope for? Bobby Brown's because of his size and in theory, I think right? 324 I pounds, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think he's what he's six, five, if I'm not mistaken. So he's a, he's a big boy. So the, the ability that he has to do the zero and the one, I think is huge, right? So if he can really beat up on that center, if he's quick enough to get into that A-gap and control the A-gap, listen, in a gap-and-a-half sort of system, somebody like Brown can be very, very dominant, right? He's got the, he definitely has the physical dimensions to do such. But it's definitely Bobby, it's definitely Bobby Brown time. He, he needs to step up because <laughs> – He uh, definitely, definitely needs to step up. You know, and the, and the idea is that most centers aren't 320. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're what some of the lighter offensive linemen. That kind of leads us into Kobe Turner. I think Ram fans are projecting him as a starter along this defensive line. They rotate so much, whether he actually starts or not, he's going to be getting a lot of snaps. But what technique, What where do you see him fitting in on this defense? Um, remember when we talked about the draft, on his scouting report, the they gave him really high marks for quickness, but they also gave him really high marks for run defense. Right. Which I thought was interesting because of his size. Yeah, he's his not dimensions. Real, yeah. Are, yeah. Limitations, like you said. Yeah. And, and so his size, just like you said, now you're understanding how the technique sort of align with sort of body type and the skill set that the player has, right? He is. He looks like a pretty much like a three technique player. But if you look at the Ram system, if they're playing four eyes, could he survive on the strong side? in that same alignment, maybe he'd rely a lot on quickness and toughness, but does he have that physical girth, yeah. right? That like an Sean Robinson did. See, Sean Robinson was really valuable for the Rams, if you want to think about it. Sean never, I shouldn't say never, didn't frequently play over the center. Where The way they used him was, depending on where the ball was, they put him usually as the run defender to the wide side of the field. Correct? So let's let's take a look at that. So let's say the ball is on the left side of the field. Okay? So that means we're facing the ball. The ball is on the left side of the field. Right? Hash marks. Open, wide side of the field is to our right as a defense. They would put Sean Robinson as the right defensive end on that alignment because of his ability to play the run. Aaron Donald would play on the left defensive end side, and then they would take somebody like Gaines, and they would let him play a shade on the center, right? Because Gaines was a quick player. He wasn't overly large, but he was like 6'1", 305. Really good player, really underrated player. But that's really where he made his living, right? He was quick, right? He could get into that gap and he played tough as nails. So that's how they would play it. They would have Gaines sort of shade to whatever side, but they would have Aishon would be the one. Even though he's playing an end, he would play it almost like a nose tackle technique. Because his job was to stuff the run. That's what he did really, really well. And that first play that you're looking at with that San Francisco game, Aishon makes that tackle. And look where he's lined up. He's lined up on the right-hand side, on the wide side. Because what do we want? We don't want anybody getting to the outside. We want them to play B-gap to B-gap, bodies. Yeah, they had Kittle try to block down on him. He was lined up over and that the – that didn't work. Right. You're right. 
You're not yeah. going to block A. John Robinson with a tight end. Yeah, we it, want bodies in the middle. We want all sorts of flesh flying around. We want – because there's no space for that running back to go. Yeah, the reason I brought up Turner and Johnson and a guy I left off here, another guy that's going to contribute a lot, but I think he has proven himself as Marquise Copeland. But Turner yeah. and Johnson have some big shoes to fill, assuming Johnson makes the 53. That's not a guarantee. But I'm really interested to see how they use Turner. Is he going to be a rotational guy? Maybe maybe giving, maybe giving spelling Aaron Donald. Maybe that'll be his role year one. Uh, and then Deshaun Johnson. Right. Uh, what I read about him is he's a little undersized as well. But he so in college, he played all over, all along that defensive line. Where do you see him fitting in if he makes the team? Oh. Yeah, if he makes a team, I see him as the same way, right? So, you know, certain positions demand certain things, um, just uh, like we've been talking about. So a defensive end in a 3-4 scheme, you know who, who is like the perfect example of the perfect defensive end in a 3-4 scheme? J.J. Watt. Right. And how many J.J. Watts do we know, right? Think about the size he had, 6'6", six, six, he was three 300 and change, he not not only could he play the run, he could rush the passer. So what was great for the Texans at the time was when you had J.J. Watt on the field, you didn't have to sub him out. You could leave him, and he could rush the passer. You could leave him on the field. I didn't have to bring another player for him. These smaller, quicker players, the question is going to be is, how are they going to stand up against the run? That's the question. Right. So, yeah, we, we're saying, we're saying in theory, Bobby Brown, we'll take a look at our numbers and our alignments and everything else. All right, so he's going to play the nose. But after him, who else? Right. Because those other, t- those other ends in our system, right, in a 3-4 system, they have run defense duties as well. Right. Right. So we can let somebody like Aaron Donald freelance a little bit from his, you know, from his position, from that 4-I, because he's Aaron Donald. Right. We can let if he sees something or he smells blood in the water, we can cut him loose. But for a player that's not Aaron Donald, are they going to have the ability, the physical ability to hold up against guards, tackles? Right. And really be able to manage and control that gap and a half system or even a single gap system. I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure if Bobby Brown's a good player at this point. But it seems like it has to be him in the middle of that defense at this point. The only other guy um, that I could see a candidate for that job would be the uh, Teron Vincent, the undrafted rookie. He's uh, I think he's north of 300 pounds as well. But other than that, you know, it's uh, it's a little bit light on the defensive front. Very light. And that's that's scary. That's really, really scary, particularly when you're playing a lot of good running teams like we have in the NFC West. The other thing is this the combination of lot in a three four what's great about the three four so first thing is to talk about the three four why does everybody like the three four there's, and there's nothing wrong with the four three the four three is a great defense as well 46 is it all these defenses are great the three four became super uber popular was because as people were going to the spread and to these wider formations the three four does two things really really well the two, it allows you to put a fast, athletic defense on the field at all times, right? My base defense, think about that. I got four linebackers, Mark, on the field that can run, that can hit, that can fly around, that can cover. But then again, think about that. Your linebackers have to be able to what? Rush the passer, 
they have to be able to cover and they have to be able to play the run to some degree. That's the key about the three, four. You're a lot, you're asking a lot out of your linebackers, right? They asked Lovey Smith. I, uh, I remembered an interview, right? We all love Lovey Smith, Ram fans, right? They asked Lovey Smith why he was such a four, three guy. Why the four, three? Cause every time they would ask him, he says, I'm four, three, I'm four, three. He says, you know what? He says in a three, four, he didn't like the idea that you're asking linebackers to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. He said, I'd rather tell my two defensive ends in my 4-3, go get the quarterback, right? Let them be really good at what they need to do. And in the days of a lot of substitution football, right, and it's okay to do that. You could sub players out, right? So if Mark's not really good at run defense, I could have somebody come in. But remember that. They were catching defenses with the wrong personnel on the field, and they would call a play, right? And they would have all their run defenders on the field, and then they would throw the ball on them. So that's what happened. So the 3-4 was embraced because it gave you maximum athleticism and maximum flexibility. And we talked about if I'm able to control B-gap to B-gap, you know what I'm going to do, Mark? I'm going to pull one of my linebackers because now I don't got to worry about the run. I got my nickel on the field full time. Think about that. By 33-5, that are very, very popular now, three down linemen, three linebackers, and now you got five D-backs on the field full-time. And usually that extra uh, D-back, which might be a safety or whatever or or big corner, right, we might use that person to take the place of that will linebacker, right, to play like a will linebacker. It's just a matter of opinion because if you look at the Rams, how, how much mileage did the Rams get out of their inside linebackers? Troy Reader? Right. Well, I still, you know, shout out to Troy Reader for that play in Arizona. Right. We still talk about that when we watch it. We jump out of our chairs. But think about it. Think of the mileage we got out of our middle linebackers. Right. So the three, four for what everybody says about what you're asking your linebackers to do. You know, if you depending on your scheme in the Ram scheme, the middle linebackers, the two uh, backers that they use, or the one linebacker that they use, because generally they're bringing an extra D-backs to stop the pass. Remember, it's a pass-happy pass, pass league. But think of the mileage they got of guys like Young, Reader. Think about that for a second. And then now they have Jake Hummel and, and Christian Roseboom waiting in the wings. But oh. their outside linebackers have always been the premium position. Oh. It's really hard to get by in a 3-4 when you don't have great outside linebackers yeah so let's talk about these three play actually before plays we're going to talk about um and again if you're listening on the podcast we'll be throwing in some graphics on the youtube channel this first play i brought this one to your attention what what i did was is i went to the rams 49ers nfc championship game uh that's a glorious game we always want to go back and look at that right and uh, yeah. the Rams' first possession, three and out, 49ers get the ball. And we're going to talk about those first three plays by the 49ers and the Rams' defense. Just three random plays, but but three random plays from a game that you know we'll never forget. And so this first play, what I saw here, and I'm going to turn this over to you in a second here, but I'll, I'll try to frame it for you. It's uh, the Rams come out. It's first and ten. Rams run out uh, Leonard from left to right, Leonard Floyd, Marquise Copeland, Greg Gaines, A.D., Sean, and Vaughn Miller. Is that a formidable front or what? I mentioned that already. Yeah, right. yeah. 
The 49ers have a tight end and a fullback lined up on the left, Debo in the backfield. And this is the play where, you know, the Rams make an adjustment when Kyle Juzak goes in motion. He's over there by Kittle on the left, goes in motion to the right. Uh, Greg Gaines gives uh, Marquise Copeland a little slap on the thigh, and three of the Ram defenders jump to the left. And you called that, what would you call that, a Jayhawk? Well, in the 46, they have something called a Jayhawk adjustment, when uh, when the motion causes defensive players to shift. So you have that in pretty much every defensive. It's a generic yeah. term then, yeah. So so that's what I saw. And so the Rams have six guys up there. I won't get in, into the techniques. It's actually kind of difficult to tell. But um, you want to take it from there? What What do you have to say about this play and how the Rams are lined up? Um, yeah, or do so, you want me to do you want me to frame how I saw the techniques first, or you want to get into it? So yeah, I, I want you to frame it. I want to ask you a couple of questions because it was great that we got a chance to talk about it first, right? So I want to ask you something. When you look at a defensive alignment, there are a couple of questions you have to have, and and for everyone at home when we when we watch football, th- we, what do we ask ourselves when we look at a defensive alignment or a, a defensive technique? is a couple of questions. The first is down and distance. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is what is the down and distance? So in this case, it's first and 10, right? Because that's going to tell you what type of situation you're in. So we're first and 10. So that tells us a lot. Okay. Second is what is the personnel? And you hit the nail on the head. You saw two tight ends, or if I'm not mistaken, two tight ends and a fullback. Is that correct? I'm seeing, uh, let's see, yes, uh, two tight ends and a fullback. And they all st- the two tight ends and the fullback all start on the left side, and then Juzak goes into motion to the right. All right, so now think about that. you got two tight ends and a fullback. Would you call that what we would say heavy personnel? Oh, yeah, personnel? yeah. And and it, the Rams look like they're gamed up for it as well with their – Bring it on. I guess both teams want to uh, have some proving to do on the first play of exactly. the game. Exactly. Mano a mano, right? Yeah. Great stuff. That's why we got to love professional sports, right? The next question I have for you. So now we got down and distance. You got to know your personnel, right? The next question is what's the formation? Double tight end to the left, right? You have also had the fullback started out on the left. So you got a power scenario on the left, right? The fullback went into motion to the right but you still wound up with two tight ends on the left. Would you agree? And uh, well, I should note that now Debo is on the right and the fullback ends up on the right. But yeah, line-wise, it's still heavy heavy left. Yeah, Heavy on the left, right? So think about now all our gaps. Now we're taking a look at that. So right off the bat, just not even getting it, getting deep into it. And the, the final question, so this is for every play. You have to ask yourself these questions. That's what a, def, a great defensive coordinator does. They're aware of every one of these scenarios as it's happening in real time. Everybody out there, do you still think defensive coordinator is easy? That's what they're doing instantaneously, right? The other thing is, what's the field position? Yeah, they're at their own 20. So San Francisco's at their own 20. Add all this up. What does it smell like to you? What type of play? Or running? Yeah, prob- yeah, power running play probably. Power running play, right? Well, power with running Debo. play probably yeah. to, right with Debo probably to the left side. Okay, so does that mean we're going to be a hundred percent? No. Well, what this tells us is, for everyone at home, play action pass. We yeah, sell yeah. that, <laughs> yeah, right? right? Yeah, we fans. Sell, are, fan, sell, uh, the, 
the typical fan and, and guilty as charged here, I'm saying, why are you trying to run against that set? Do a little play action, hit hit Ayuk. He's got to be open, right, that, right. that type of thing, right? So we're not even talking about coverages. We're just focusing on our line formations and our gap control, right? Because and 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 Mark, you you may have hit on like sort of I think every uh, coach at the high school level, middle school level, youth level is probably clapping for you right now. You're like you started with the line of scrimmage, you started with the D line, you started with gap control, you started with the D line formations because this is where defense starts. This is where the battle is won and lost. So now that we asked ourselves these questions and we know what the situation is, right? Look where Ashawn Robinson is aligned. Where is Ashawn Robinson aligned? To me, he looks like from this angle, it looks like he's either right over the left tackle. I'm sorry. Yeah, right over the left tackle, I think. And where are they on the field? They're on the right side hash. So where's the wide side of the field? Look where Ashawn is. Ashawn is to the wide side of the field, right? And that's his job, to shut down the run and make sure nothing gets wide. He's right over Trent Williams on the outside shoulder of Trent Williams. Everybody at home, quick quiz. Start from the center, zero, two, four. If he's on the outside shoulder, we know that's a what? Five, boom. That's how quickly you can learn the D-line techniques. After the play, they have a view from the from behind, from the end zone, and yeah, he's shaded slightly to the outside of Trent Williams. So think about what he's going to do. He is going to control the C gap and squeeze down where on the B gap. That's your gap and a half technique that Ashawn is so good at. So by letting him line up on on the outside of Trent Williams. Now the other thing, and here's a little bit of reminder to everybody: Trent Williams had a bad ankle that game. Remember that? He see how. See all the tape on his ankle. Remember, he was coming in with a bum ankle. If you look at if you look at a at, at some of the later plays, right, you will see they kept putting trying to put Aaron Donald or Floyd or Vaughn Miller out there, right, where they were both outside of the guard shoulder and they were outside of the tackle shoulder. Why? They wanted to make Trent Williams and the guard do one on one blocking, and they were going to run twists off of that. They were going to run stunts off of that. Right. And that's another thing that we didn't get a chance to really talk about is the interplay between the linemen and the linebackers as they rush. One of the things that Leonard Floyd did really, really well for the Rams, Aaron Donald running twists and stunts off of Leonard Floyd, which was really a thing of beauty to see. And in the Super Bowl, that last sack, who was on the outside of Aaron Donald? It was Leonard Floyd. Right. And so. This is a really nice alignment that you chose because it, obviously it's unique because it's first down. You wouldn't see the Rams in this alignment usually, but because it's first down and they're buying into stopping the run, they have an extra D lineman on the field. Isn't that right? Marcus Copeland, right? Who they're playing, right? Some people say, well, they're playing him like a linebacker. No, they're not. Look at that stance. He's sitting down outside of the tackle. They got one, two, three, four. Four down linemen, Leonard Floyd on the outside, Vaughn Miller on the other side. They only have one linebacker on the field, Troy Reader. And the, who do they have down in the box? Who's our buddy? Eric Weddle. Look at that. So that's what they did to stop the run. And if you run this play, what happened was Debo reads the play, right? 
the Rams hold their gap control and Debo stretches it out, out, out. And then what happens? He tries to bend it back. And guess what? Kittle tries to block down an Ashawn Robinson. Ashawn Robinson is able to shed and he makes the play on Debo and help arrives. And that's the whole idea, right? And that play was held to no gain, right? No gain on first down. And that takes us to second down, second and 10. Again, uh, we'll have some graphics on the uh, YouTube channel to help you out here. Second and 10. And on the second and 10 play, they go to a more traditional line, I think, here. Uh, we have uh, Leonard. Let me look at my notes here. Lloyd Gaines, AD, and Von Miller. So as you said, Ashan's pulled off the field. Who else is missing here? Marquise Copeland's off the field. You go at a more traditional 3-4. I guess you'd call it a 3-4, but it's two what we would typically refer to as edge players, Floyd and Von Miller with Gaines and AD in the middle of that defense. Donald looks like he's in the B gap. Gaines is right over the center. Mm -hmm. uh, Floyd looks like a five technique to me. I've been doing a little bit of homework here, but correct me if I'm wrong. And then um, and Von Miller, interestingly, looks like he's between two tight ends. So we got the best of both worlds here, right? This is awesome, right? This is why you got to love football, regardless of, you know, we're, when you're a Ram fan, regardless if you're a 49er fan, you got to be a football fan. You got to love the chess game. You got to love the chess match. Shanahan wants to run some smash mouth. He's throwing down the gauntlet. He said it's early in the game. Let's do this. Bring it on. All right. You got to love it. So here's my question. Ready? What's the down and distance? Still, well, second and 10. Second and 10. So advantage to the defense, right? Advantage to the defense, second and 10, theoretically. Okay. Right. What's the personnel? Look at the personnel. Well, they have the two tight ends. Uh, Jusek is lined up as a fullback. And uh, who's the running back? That's not that's not uh, Debo anymore. That's um, I'm not sure who it is. But right, it's but uh, basically an eye formation, I would call. All right. So there you go. So now you answer the third question. So you got your personnel. You said they're still in two tight end, right? They're still in two tight end. It's not a three wide receiver set. They're still in a two tight end heavy set. They got a fullback on the field also, so it's a definitely a heavy formation, and now they got an eye. Okay, so there you go. So what does it smell like to you again? Yeah, they're, they're likely. Like, yeah, right. Possibly a run on second and 10. Possibly a run. We don't know. This is why, this is why play action is so dangerous because you can catch a defense with the, you know, with, without, the optimal def without the optimal personnel on the field. That's why you got to love play action. All right, so the down and distance dictates advantage to the defense. What's the field position? Once again, at their own 20, right? Okay, so if you run this play before you run it, right, you take a look. Look at look at what you see in front of you. Where's Aaron Donald? Hold on here a second. He looks like he's in the B gap playing his typical three technique. So look what the Rams did on second down. On second down, they pulled out their best run defender. This, this is the beauty of football. Every play is a different narrative. I love it. Aishon comes off the field. Mark, you just pulled off your best run defender against an I formation, right? You better have your gaps lined up properly or you're going to get gashed, right? Well, could, that, could the fact that Aishon was pulled dictated the play call by the 49ers as well? Who knows, yeah. right? They could have shifted into this, right? But the whole idea is we pulled off our Aishon. They know the tendency. Aishon comes off the field right after first down, whatever it is, yeah. right? 
we know what Staley wants to do or what the Rams will say, what the Rams defensive coordinators we want. I don't want to say Staley, but the Rams defensive coordinators want to do. They want to stay in a manageable, get to a manageable third down scenario so they can get off the field. All right, so Ashawn goes out. They brought in an extra D-back. They brought in an extra safety. So now you got to, on the defensive side, what do the Rams have? Five defensive backs with only two down linemen. You've got Gaines and Donald were the only two down linemen. And this is where you can get like a 4-3 look. But look at the way they're using their outside linebackers. Their outside linebackers are on the line of scrimmage the way you would use a 4-3 DN. See that? Look at how they're doing. Look at the way Floyd is outside the last player, right? Outside the last player on what we called the weak side of the O-line. Look what his job is there. Nobody's coming outside of him because look who's outside of him, a defensive back who's matched up on the wide receiver. So Floyd is going to make sure that he is going to be what? Taking everything and pushing it to the inside. Look at Gaines. Look what Gaines does best. He's on the inside shade of the center. We said that's what he does best, where he can slant into the gap. And there you go. You got Aaron Donald doing what he does best. Three technique on a tilt. What's he going to do? Yeah, I said Gaines as a zero technique, but it does look like he's shaded slightly to the inside. But look what Aaron Donald's going to do. He's going to be able – look who he's going up against. He's going up against a guard. Theoretically, he's going to control the right side of that guard, which is his gap, the B gap. And what's he going to do? Squeeze the other side, which is what? The A gap. So that open A gap that everybody said, look, look, there's an open A gap. He's going to squeeze it down. And maybe the middle linebacker behind him is going to do what? Shut that down. You're going to keep an eye on that and shut that down. Right? So we don't know who has the which gap responsibility, but that's what it looks. And then you got Vaughn Miller. Take a look at Vaughn Miller doing his thing. You know he's not leaving that nine. Right? He's going to threaten that offense with his nine. He's staying outside the tight end. Right? And that's exactly what he's going to do. And you got an eye formation. So let's see what happened. They run it. They run it to the short side right, which is what we call the side closest to the sideline, and what happens? They pick up three yards. Um... They, they pick up three yards. They get great penetration. They would have actually stopped the 49ers for a minus three-yard gain, but David Long didn't do his job and didn't make the tackle. So Devo was able to run forward for a couple of yards, but right. by design it worked really, really well. Yeah, that's still a win for the defense, I think, yeah. Absolutely. So there you go. Now we're understanding like the sequence of plays, how the formation was so important and how this zone blocking scheme, which everybody loves, which is I got to tell you, which is an absolute, you know, it's a phenomenal thing to watch on a game to game basis. This zone blocking scheme, these O-lines, the, the athleticism is just mind boggling. So we just saw on two plays how two very different defensive alignments right, based on our gap control concept, we're able to control the running game. Great examples. Okay, okay let's move to this the third down play, third and seven. And this one uh, is a really interesting um, defensive alignment. Uh, you know, during the course of a game, I might not have even noticed it. It might have looked a little funny. Uh, but this is the one where I mentioned earlier, they basically abandon, they leave the right guard and right tackle basically uncovered. Greg Gaines is shaded to the other side of the center. 
And you got Leonard Floyd on the outside lined up against a tight end. Kittle's over there on the right now. So basically you have um, the zero through the five gaps on the right side are basically uncovered, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah so cool. you have Greg, Greg Gaines to, in, the, in the one, uh, Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller out on the right side. I think Aaron Donald looks like he's actually outside of Trent Williams. Look, look how he's Miller. lined up. Yeah. Look how and, he's lined up. Yeah. Right. Look yeah. how wide he is. Even though he's not playing, that's not that's not the gap he's covering. Look at the angle. It looks like he's tilted, right? When yeah, we use yeah. that term tilt, that means you're giving the player a little bit extra room so that you can give them that angle to attack that gap. Yeah. Like and again, case, if you're if you're listening on the podcast, uh, you can find this game on YouTube very easily, commercial free. And this is the 49ers' first possession. Watch these three plays, and you'll right. figure out and your exactly. Snaps, and your snapshots are really good angles, so for people yeah. to see a, a line of scrimmage. So go back to the go back to the questions, Mark, and see if it makes sense to you. Right. So down in distance, what is it? Uh, third, third and seven. Advantage whom? Uh, advantage defense. Yeah. Advantage defense. Okay, to some degree. Right, third and seven, but you would say definitely not the optimal down and distance for the offense. So third and seven, Rams are comfortable with that. All right. So what's the uh, what's the personnel? So you got a wide receiver split left, and you have Greg Kittle uh, lined up on the right side, and a running back, probably more for pass protection on the right side. Not sure who that is. So and you, you got, got three a, wide receivers. So you got three yeah. wide receivers and a tight end, right? And it looks like so you got a three wide receiver from formation with the tight end who's not locked down in a blocking stance at all, right? He's standing up. So theoretically, you got four wide receivers that are probably going into this route. Would you agree? Right? So you got because Kittle is a phenomenal tight end. Like as a pass catching tight end, you got to respect him as a you know, the mistake the Rams make here is how does he get a clean release off the line of scrimmage? George Kittle should never get a clean release off the line of scrimmage, but that's for a different day. All right. So based on the formation, right, and based on the personnel, you got a shotgun formation, right, single back, right, four receivers. What does that smell like to you? Well, I mean, I think it's going to be a, a quick pass. Are you talking from the offensive perspective or the what defensive? What does it smell like to you? Yeah, that would be my expectation that they're going right. to. They're not going to. He's not going to do a five step drop and. And Correct. he's probably not going to have a lot of time with Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald there you uh, go. rushing the passer. That's why I, I love when I heard this. I heard a phenomenal coach one day say this, right? Anything drawn on the chalkboard will not beat you. Only players can beat you, right? So scheme can only go so far. At some point, you need great players. What you just said is so important. The threat of a great player impacts the psyche of the offense. Whether or not Vaughn Miller ever gets a sack, the threat of Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller being on the same side, attacking that offensive line, did it impact the play call probably. Absolutely. Yeah, and especially when you you already mentioned Trent Williams on a bad ankle. Bad and, ankle. He's, and he's got Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller, two – Future Bingo. Hall of Famers uh, on his wing there. So now that we answered all those questions, now look at this formation and tell me, does it make sense to you what the Rams have thrown out there? 
Yeah, yeah. And then they run the stunt, which you're probably getting to. Uh, Miller right. stunts inside, and there's that. There's a lot of space there to the left of Gaines because of the way that they've lined up. Now, this is something that the Rams did and still do uh, for the last three years now. They've done it really, really well. So you were saying, well, look at these linemen that are not covered. Well, take a look. So Leonard Floyd is threatening that outside tackle, right? So the tackle is going to pick him up, correct? Right. Okay. Look at where Vaughn Miller is. Right, look how wide he's got that wide nine look. Aaron Donald's going to attack that outside shoulder of the guard, correct? There's a reason Gaines is on that same side. Look at the look at where Gaines is. Will the center be able to help the guard of the tackle? Yeah, Gaines gonna gonna disrupt that. Yeah, so he can't right because Gaines is Gaines is going to be right shooting that gap right. So now the center is occupied, and there's no way for the center to help that guard and that tackle, and that guard and that tackle are now one-on-one against Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller. Right. That's what a D-line alignment can do when you're talking about a pass rush. Where they are situated on the field basically handcuffs the O-line to a certain degree. This same alignment that you're looking at, except for one thing, if you move Gaines to the other side, that was the last play of the Super Bowl when Aaron Donald got the sack. They had Floyd and Donald in the same alignment where the center wasn't able to get back in time to help up on Donald. If you watch against the Bengals game, right, against the, in that Super Bowl, the center actually looks at Aaron Donald before he snaps the ball and after he snaps the ball. He looks right at Donald. Donald got up the field so quickly and bend, literally drop that inside shoulder to go after the quarterback that the center was not able to catch up in time and stop him, right? But it was because Floyd was one-on-one on the outside and took the tackle with him upfield that opened up that lane, and this is exactly what's going to happen here. And so what happens when you run this, right? They actually run a stunt. Vaughn Miller runs a stunt underneath Aaron Donald, and they get – pressure on our, our buddy uh garoppolo he makes uh, a pass over the middle to he just misses uh kittle's wide open right and he just misses but what happened there was reader didn't get deep enough there was a middle linebacker that you can't see in this photo but the middle linebacker who's got uh, middle coverage responsibilities right middle field responsibilities doesn't get deep enough in his drop and he allows that pass to go over his head Vaughn Miller came in, forced uh, Garoppolo to rush the pass. The pass came off a little high, and he missed an open receiver. So that's the beauty of a pass rush, right? He missed an open receiver because Kittle was open because Kittle took advantage of the fact that Troy Reader did not get deep enough, right? And he gave him that open, that open, um, uh, what do you want to call, that open sort of window for Garoppolo to fit it in between the safety and that middle linebacker, that space in between, which is the vulnerability of a cover one or a cover two, is that that area between the dropping linebackers and the safety. So um, this is a great example. This third down that you picked is a great example. You look at the alignment of the D-line, you're like, wait a minute, this looks a little odd. They got these persons uncovered. But if you look at it, take another look at it. Look at that guard. Look at that right guard. Who is he going to help? The only person that he can help on is Leonard Floyd, right? He's got nobody to block. 
So if I walked up that middle linebacker and said, listen, don't blitz, but I want you to walk up within three yards of the line of scrimmage, I could force that guard to have to wait a half a second before he goes back into his pass drop, right? Because he's got to check to make sure uh, reader's not coming. And that's an example of something like the zone blitz, why the zone blitz was so uh, effective, is that you never knew who was coming. They were dropping D-linemen to pass coverage, right? And one of the other aspects of the Rams defense for Ram fans is that what they were really, really good at, and hopefully they're still good at, is that they would give you a very generic pre-snap read on what they're doing, and it was a different read post-snap, right? So it made the quarterback see something very different after the snap, and that's really why they wanted interchangeable safeties because they wanted to be able left side or right side, doesn't matter who the safety is, if they needed the safety to come down and run support and walk somebody down, they wanted to be able to do it. And remember when Johnny Johnson was there? You could do it with Johnny Johnson, right? Or you could do it with Taylor Rapp, although we you know, we don't want Taylor Rapp in coverage too much, right? But that's what they were able to do with those interchangeable safeties. So when you start off, it looks like a, two, a cover two shell, but in actuality, we were only having one safety. They would have that rotation weak side rotation, right? So the we didn't even talk about like the zone coverages behind this alignment, but this is a great alignment of how you could render an offensive lineman, right? In this case, the guard with nobody to block, but he can't really help on the other side either. All right, yeah, you want to help on help out on gains? Go for it. Mark, what would you rather worry about? That they're doubling gains and they're giving Vaughn Miller and Aaron Donald single uh, single? That would be a nice scenario. There you go. And that's what the alignment does. The alignment allows the defense to dictate who's going to get the single, who's going to get the double. Yeah, my my initial thought when I see this is if I'm a 49er fan, it's like, hey, let's just hand it off and run it off right tackle, right guard. Right, there you go. They, that, that would be a great call, right? They're probably not maybe it's good for five yards and six or six yards, but not enough for the first down. So right. that'd be a great, right? Great audible. He checks out of it and he says, you know, go take this, run it right into that little bubble over there. Right. And let's get what we can get. You might even get a first down, right? Cause look, that might be a soft spot in the defense. Let me ask you something. So now this, we do this a couple of times as a DC, right? Defensive coordinator calls it works really well. Oh, you know what we'll do? We'll put Kittle, right next to Trent Williams to help out with Vaughn Miller. Guess what? You're going to smile because you just took your best pass receiver and assigned them to what? Pass blocking duties. As a defensive coach, would you be happy with that? Yeah, that's another win. Yeah. That's another win. Now I got Leonard Floyd on the other side who's going to get single. Yeah. Right? Because you got nobody to help with him. Leonard Floyd is good enough that he could probably do what? Wind up with a sack against a right tackle. So there you go. This D lineman sort of alignment and linebacker alignment, when we talk about these techniques, their numbers really tell us a lot of why certain numbers are being threatened, right? Why that three technique is so important because it puts a premium pass rusher against a guard rather than a tackle. And the assumption is that a guard is not going to be able to handle a premium pass rusher like an Aaron Donald. Well, hopefully in a year or two, we'll be looking at video like this, pictures of this, and it'll be uh, Byron Young and, and Nick Hampton. Uh, we'll be talking about off. those players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's the plan anyways. Hey, this has been really good. Uh, Football 101 defensive line techniques, gap control. I I learned a few things. Hopefully our listeners have too. And I I think it would be really good to do this once in a while, Uh, whether it's you or somebody else. I I think you would be my first choice. Talk about zone coverage. Talk about the different types of wide receivers, the the letter designations they give to them. There's a lot of stuff that that we could get into if you're up to it especially maybe between now and a training camp. A training camp is going to come faster than we think, actually. But between now and opening day, might be might be some good topics to cover if you're up to it. Yeah, absolutely. Always open up to it. And you know what's, you know what's funny? My friends always laugh at me because, you know, when, when we get together and, you know, all these other things, and, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about football and schemes and stuff like that and favorite players and all that. They always laugh because I love running the football. And they're like, what's your favorite offensive setup? And they laugh. I said, listen, I'm a dinosaur, man. I'd run the wishbone all day long if I yeah. could. You know, I would I would be like the worst thing for the forward pass because I would love to run the wishbone. But, um, yeah, I mean, talking about formations and coverages and things of that nature. But, you know, just some key things about the three, four, five things to walk away with for everybody Right. And, and the other thing is there's a really a lot of good content out there. Right. I'm not an expert by any means, please. But there's a lot of really good content out there. You can learn about different alignments and little uh, little things about nuances on defense, about all sorts of different things that, you know, definitely just, you know, fool around with it. Take a look at it. You'll learn a lot. And it's, it really enhances the ability to watch the game and extrapolate what's going on and enjoy it. Um, so a couple of things about the three, four and the three, just generally speaking about the three, four, that the defensive tech technique that Mark was sort of highlighting today and, and the alignment is crucial to gap control. And that's the basis of all defense. That's the basis of all defense. Right? That's where it starts. Second thing is that the defense always wants the offense. We want to control B gap to B gap. That's what you want to control. B gap to that's those interior gaps. If you can control that, Right. And it's not that we're discounting those outside runs. Absolutely. What did we say? What does the D gap stand for? Deadly to the defense, disaster for the defense. We don't want anybody going out there or getting to the alleyway, right? Outside of the D. So we want to control B gap to B gap. If we can do that with as few players as possible, right? This is why the concept of two gapping and a gap and a half is so important. It means. I can devote one less player than the offense has. That gives me the advantage. I have one additional player doing something somewhere else. All right, zone offenses, we talked about the new zone offense have a trend. They are looking for that cutback. We got to take away the cutback because that's what they're looking for. As they're moving left to right or right to left, what's going to happen? Another gap is going to open up or our player is going to move out of a gap. So that pre-snap look, and as the play um, sort of evolves, that the line of the line of scrimmage control, the gap control is going to change, and that's what that running back is looking for. What are the three Bs? Right, bounce it outside, blast it into the hole, or bend it back. Those are the three Bs that the running back reads. Okay, three four. Why is it so exciting, and why does everybody love it? Simply because the three four provides maximum athleticism. You get your Four most athletic players, right? These these superstar linebackers that that blow up the combine every year, and you get them on the field all at once, right? 
no knock against the four three. A great four three is just as good, right? But the three four has an advantage in that it is adaptable to whatever the offense does when it changes, like you said, when they shift a formation or shift personnel. A three four provides you maximum uh, adaptability and flexibility and athleticism. All right. And lastly, the way you use your outside linebackers um, and how you position them, you can give a 4-3 over-under look right from your, your base 3-4 defense, depending on what you want to accomplish, depending where you are on the field, depending what the strength of your personnel is. And lastly, Wade Phillips, just uh, a really cool thing to share. So the uh, urban legend is that, you know, this numbering system that we've been talking about, it was actually came from uh, Bear Bryant uh, when he was at Texas A&M. So he, theoretically, he was the one supposedly. But guess who else was there? One year, Bum Phillips was there. Remember Bum Phillips? Right. The dad yeah, of Wade Phillips. Dad. Yeah, right. But whenever you see a Wade Phillips interview, he always says, my dad invented that numbering system, right? Because his dad was there at Texas A&M. Wade Phillips. Watch some great, and we know that because we know when Wade Phillips was here with the Rams, what the how that three four was just sick, right? And remember when we had Ndamukong Sue and the way he used Ndamukong Sue on the line, right? So great example of that. Wade Phillips, when he talks about the three four and the four three, and they asked him why the three four and everything else, he says this. He says it doesn't matter what you call it. He says because I took four three DNs. And I made them three, four outside linebackers, and they had the best years of their career. And he talked about Mario Williams. Remember Mario Williams? Oh, right, right, yeah. I remember DeMarcus Ware when he was right. opposite Vaughn Miller. Right. That defense, that that Denver defense had just absolutely destroyed, dismantled Carolina in the Super Bowl, right? Look what they did, right? So Wade Phillips says it's about what your players do well, Whatever whatever the defensive scheme is, you can call it different things. You can line them up. However, let them do what they do well all the time. Don't ask them to do something that they don't do well. So what you're going to see when you hear the term hybrid, and the Ravens are a great example, the Ravens with their hybrid defense, they have three. They have the best of the three four and the best of the four three sort of combined together into a hybrid defense. And they can ma- and they draft players that fit that defense. Because you were asking, right? You were saying, look at these players. Are they drafting to fit this scheme? Absolutely they are. They're drafting to fit that scheme of what the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator want to do. So you're going to see a lot of these defenses where they have principles from each. And Wade Phillips said it best. Bring in guys that fit your system and let them do what they do best all the time and that is probably one of the greatest quotes from any yeah, coach. that's a good advice for any coach in any sport it really is absolutely i, I almost feel and, like i should have you back in a week and you can quiz me you know a, a 10 question okay. quiz uh and see how i do i you can you can ask for those of you out there mark is just being humble mark knows a lot more about football that he's letting on you can ask me what the three b's are i'm going to write that down right now i'll get that one Hey, okay, Paul, let's wrap this up. This is really good. Uh, Football 101, our uh, classroom session, shall we call it, on defensive line, gap control, techniques and such. I think this is really good. A lot of fun. And reminder to you, podcast listeners, check out the YouTube channel. 
Uh, I'll plug in some graphics that will um, augment this discussion significantly. So check that out. Hey, Paul, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time. And uh, let's do this again real soon. We'll pick another topic and do it if you want to. Absolutely. Always a lot of fun to hang out with you. Okay, man. Thanks a lot. Till next time. Okay. See you later. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Tribe. Buckeye Banzai by Vans in Japan, and Crimson Fly by Hamama. Need a metabolic reset? Try Healright Micronutrient Bars. When eaten daily for eight weeks, clinical studies showed Healright can improve cholesterol, blood sugar, and more. And great-tasting Healrite works without additional diet or lifestyle changes or the serious side effects of medications. Visit Healrite.com with code HEAL for 15% off. H-E-A-L-R-I-G-H-T.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plastic-free 305.